Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, welcome everyone to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove. Uh, flying solo today, Jason, the super producer, is not available. So anybody who's only tuning in for the super producer, I'll just save you, save your time right now. You can go ahead and uh, go do some laundry or wash the dishes or something, mow the yard. So hopefully that's not everybody. Jeez. Um, I just want to remind everybody, though, that if you do have a story or um, an event that you want to share with us, you can find us at From the Shadows podcast on Facebook or find us at our discussion group after the shadows. Um, You can find me at Shane Grove author on Instagram or our From the Shadows podcast Instagram page. You can send us messages there or just go to our website from the shadows podcast.com hit the contact button, send me an email, and I will. it comes straight to me. I promise I'll get, uh, I'll get a hold of you. Um, and, I mean, that's how I'm talking to our guest today because he sent me an email, and I kept up my end of the bargain, and I answered it, and we got, and we got him on the show. So I'm pretty excited because getting into, we're getting into Halloween. Halloween's coming. And I think what we're going to talk about today is probably one of the great American ghost stories, for lack of a better term. So, so I want to welcome Josh Werner to the show. Josh, welcome. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> hey, I'm almost ashamed that we didn't record our conversation ahead of time because <laughs> people People might have been interested in that, but then Would have made a whole separate episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Josh, tell it. Let's let's tell everybody what why you're on the show. Just I, I won't even spoil it for anybody. You just I'll let you uh, I'll let you tell everybody. Cool. So, um, I am I'm the editor in chief of a publishing company. We we do a lot of things. We do board games. We do all sorts of stuff. But primarily, what we make is comic books, and most of them are in the horror genre. And we ended up uh, teaming up with the Winchester Mystery House to do uh, an official comic book series um, about the mansion and the haunting that kind of starts like from year one of the story of the, of the construction and then moves forward throughout time. And, um, in the end, the, the short version is I, 
um, ended up writing it myself because I couldn't find anybody uh, to hire that was as passionate about the subject as as I was. I was just um, a huge fan of the of the lore surrounding this and a huge fan of Sarah Winchester herself. And um, yeah, I got along really well. We were kind of talking to the licensors and getting this all set up, and uh, it's been awesome ever since. So, so what? So, give a brief explanation about for anybody who's not familiar about the uh, about the Winchester Mansion and and what the lore is behind that. So, it is in San Jose, California. It's thought to be one of the most haunted mansions of the in the world. It was it was the inspiration for Stephen King's Rose Red, Shirley Jackson's Haunting of Hill House, uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion. It's kind of the original American Gothic mansion story that sparked a whole subgenre of fiction uh, inspired by it. Uh, it. It was built by Sarah Winchester. She was the heiress to the Winchester repeating arms fortune. Uh, they made the famous Winchester rifles. And after losing her in-laws and her husband and her daughter all in a pretty short amount of time she ended up alone and grieving and uh now owning half of this company and its massive fortune and she decided to take that money and essentially dedicate the rest of her life to the dead um and start building this gigantic huge labyrinth of a house with hundreds of rooms um that most of which have never been you know have never had human beings living ones uh, living in them. Um, it, it's thought that a lot of the spirits that she built them for still reside in those rooms to this day. Uh, and a lot of her uh, her motivations and, and her story is all kind of part of this. She was a very, very interesting, interesting person. But, but yeah, primarily uh, it was thought that she was cursed, that she had all this blood on her hands and that uh, she was uh, every, she was a victim of, her family was a victim of a curse placed on her by the ghost of everyone who had ever been killed by a Winchester rifle. And for those who don't know, that rifle was, um, it was a game changer. Uh, it's, it was utilized, uh, an early model of it was utilized really heavily in the Civil War, and it kind of turned the tides. And every soldier really wanted to get their hands on one because it meant they could stay alive longer. Uh, it was also used uh, a lot in our westward expansion um, so there were a lot of Native American tribes that were killed with this particular gun. And it's uh, uh, Sarah, um, she, she kind of swore off having anything to do with the rifles after losing her family. And she just kind of focused solely on this house. That and, uh, and a lot of philanthropy for the rest of her life. So, so what was there a, other than losing her in-laws and her husband, was there any other genesis for her to believe that there was a cursed place or was it just, I mean, is there any, like anything written or known at the, about a real life curse place or is it really just bad luck? And she didn't, she didn't so know that. it's really, it's really interesting because so um, there's very few, there's very few definitive documents that give us a lot of facts but the stories that have been passed down they've existed since before she died they i mean they they have roots in newspaper articles um so even during her lifetime there's actually newspaper articles that released that say that she saw a um a spiritualist psychic who told her this was the case and this is where she got her first instructions to head west and find a house to start building onto. And one of the first things that um, it's thought that they did with the house was build the seance room. And here she would go every single night to commune with the spirits to get instructions on what to do for the next day. So it was, there's a lot of stories passed down about how the construction crews were uh, at times frustrated because they never got plans ahead of time. They never got floor plans or proper, you know, architectural drawings. They just got these little mini sets of instructions on what to do one day at a time. And those days just never ended. They were just around the clock every day of the week for years, uh, for decades. And, um, and then sometimes if anything was slightly off, um, she would tear a whole wing down and redo it. Um, sometimes it didn't make sense, uh, you know, as to why. 
and it was thought that uh, because the spirits were um, guiding her to that that she had to kind of appease them. And so the stories of the seance room really kind of led to that as far as Evans goes. And then this this story of this um, of this psychic in at the time, spiritualism was huge. It was super popular. So a lot of people were trying to commune with their, uh, you know, loved ones that they had lost, especially after the Civil War. It became a really big thing. Um, Everyone had, you know, lost a family member. You know, of some way, shape, or form, there was just connections to death, no matter who you spoke to. So, a lot of grieving happening simultaneously across the country, and it, because of that, a whole new wave of interest in in spirits and uh, and contacting them. And this kind of all happened right at the height of that. So, um, it's hard to say what's fact and what's rumored. <laughs> all kind of stuff. Well, I, you know, we know from that time period. You know, like Houdini made it his his mission to debunk all those spiritualists and and yes, yeah. uh, and and stuff and stuff. So you wonder if if somebody just pulling a fast one on her got her to spend all this fortune, all this fortune, <laughs> and all this time building this huge mansion. There was a really um, there's a really famous story about. Uh, about Houdini visiting the house uh, and being unable to disprove the haunting. Um, really? Okay. So talk about it happening in the house, even, you know, while she was still alive, there were so many people um, talking about it being haunted. So yeah, there's a, there's a really cool story about, about Houdini actually going there himself and, you know, tr- with the intent to, to debunk the haunting and uh, not being successful and having to throw his hands in the air and come out saying, I don't know what's going on with this house. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Which is, now what's super, super kind of interesting is, is that, so it's not like it was an existing house that was haunted. It was a brand new house that she started building that then became haunted. Now did, did somebody die while building the house that may have led to the haunting or is this just totally to be believed that all the spirits from people that got murdered by a winchester rifle decided well this is where we're going to hang out for eternity that's that's yeah that's the thought she bought this uh there was a little existing house she bought it was a a bedroom farmhouse um and then no wait a second you say you say little Eight bedroom farm for the time, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, those farmhouses were huge, but it's little compared to what she added on to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty pretty sizable house to start with. Just like had a running start, so she bought that and then immediately just started building onto that in 1886. And it was thought that um, it was said that she there was something special about it that. Um, that she traveled west all the way. She lived on the East Coast, traveled all the way, you know, west and and picked this particular place. And no one truly knows why. There was there's all sorts of stories like, oh, the ghost told her to pick this one. Uh, some say that like uh, she heard the voice of her dead husband telling her it was this house. No one knows for sure except everyone is very confident that she had a reason. Um, this is the house that had to be. It had to be at this location. It had to be on these grounds. Uh, all that kind of comes into play in the comic book series at certain points. Um, that she had a reason for everything she did, and we may not know exactly what those reasons were. And you know, we've had no choice but to be subject to all the speculation from uh, from her workers or, or, or very very limited number of friends and family, and then. The mostly the surrounding community that's kind of like became this gossip hub uh but yeah so she added on to that and just kept building and building it's thought that she brought all the ghosts with her and just filled the place up as, as she built it and wow <laughs> so there's endless stories you know to date of how haunted this building is so it's kind of it's you know it's hard to know to imagine why now there's um you know other than in the stories it's like well there's no tragedies that befell within this particular mansion like why why you know why is it so haunted um that being said there is a particular worker um who's been identified uh so there was numerous people you know this the house has been open to the public 
uh, for 99 years. Uh, that's a long time. No so, kidding. To be so doing- she did. So she now did it become open when she died? Yeah. So shortly after she died. So she died 100 years ago as of September 5th. Uh, and then they opened it because everyone, everyone was such a famous house and no one had ever seen inside of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone had been wanting to get in there since day one. And they've, they've been, you know, behind a wall, like trying to figure out what's going on in this property. And uh, it was just so enticing. Everybody wanted to get inside there. there. It was March of the following year that the first time they opened it up as an attraction. Uh, and since then, so that's just, I mean, that's almost, a, it's gotta be a record breaker in itself as far as like a house goes or, you know, as being in a- <laughs> it's, it, it all sounds like the plot for Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. <laughs> like everybody's like, what? Did, so did construction stop on the house when she died? Or, or yeah. were there instructions? There weren't instructions to keep going or anything? Or? Nope. They, that's when all the crews laid their hammers down. There's still um, unfinished parts of the house that, that, to this day that they've left that way that, are, that have been unfinished for 100 years. It's where they cut it off. Um, and there's a lot of just, you know, strange discombobulation throughout the architecture. Some of it can be explained by them just stopping and other ones can't. They're just like weird, you know, eccentricities of the house. But um, a lot of throughout the past 99 years, a lot of people have described a particular ghost in the basement. Um, and many of them have also seen uh, described him as pushing something, usually like a wheelbarrow. And um, now he's identified as a worker that worked on the grounds named Clyde. And there's a picture hanging of the construction crew of part of the construction crew uh, in in the mansion. And people have come up and said, that's that's the person I saw in the basement right there. And uh, it's which is pretty cool. No one knows how Clyde died. Um, There's no records of this. But he's he's been haunting the place, so it's very interesting. So uh, he he got written into the comic as well. You get to see him when he was alive. Um, And uh, and that's pretty cool. You also get to see him. Uh, unalive later which is pretty cool too but <laughs> did you use did you not to be a spoiler did you use your artistic license to create a uh, an event that caused his demise i sure did and all right i'll be honest i'm amazed that the house is letting letting me do stuff like that it was such an honor because i mean this is i i mean obviously there's there's a lot of history here but there's also there's um it's easy to take all of the lore and all of the ghost stories and put twists on it that doesn't respect the history, right? So because of that, they're the kind of the keepers of the story and they want to portray a certain, you know, narrative for the lore that fits right with the character characterization of Sarah and the house and and the history that they, you know, know and love. And essentially they're protecting they're protecting the story from, you know, being bastardized. And uh, and so I'm, I'm always super honored that I'm, you know, getting to write it at all. But when I approach them with a totally fictitious plot element that I want to insert and it, as long as I can defend it, I feel really strongly about it for a reason. They're just, they're wonderful. They, they, they love it. And so, yeah, I've gotten to take some, some pretty big liberties. Um, so Clyde's death is, was one of them that I'm really proud of. And then another one is uh, the staircase to nowhere. So that's a really famous staircase in the house. It kind of just runs right into a ceiling. Yeah, the idea being that if you're a human being, you're just going to bonk your head. But if you're a ghost, you can continue up those stairs, and who knows where you'll end up. Um, and while there's tons of speculation and has been for you know a century, no one actually knows why that staircase is like that. Um, there's a lot of thoughts. You know, there's there's just as many people who are coming up with reasons why it's a super not a supernatural thing as there is, you know, the opposite. And even those people have to take a stretch. They're taking wild guesses like, oh, well, after the 1906 earthquake, they did all the damage to the house. They probably just sealed that off. You know, there's that's kind of the excuse get, that's thrown out there. But there's no evidence of that any more so than there is of, you know, a different reason. But I got to write in the origin story for that staircase into the comic series and I'm does super- it have does it have anything to do with Led Zeppelin? <laughs> Should have. Do you start do you start when you start up the stairs, does the guitar riff stuff for stairway head? That would have I mean about have snuck some little lyrics in there something <laughs> in the dialogue. That, oh my gosh. That would have been oh 
would have been fantastic to take a couple of the lyrics and put them in the comic without anybody, see if anybody caught that. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember when I first heard about the Winchester Mansion, I mean, I was like 9, 10, 11 years old, and it was featured on, I don't know if you remember the show, That's Incredible. Yes, yeah. I I remember seeing it on there, and and just you know it was probably a seven eight minute segment. It just just amazed at like what the heck is this and what is the real story behind that? And you know at that time, you know you can't go Google it up. You know, and if if your library at the school didn't have a book on it, or if the library of town didn't have a book, on, you you just had no idea. So I had no idea what this was. And there was never really any book that I ever could find as a kid that explained it. Just just maybe a passing story about this haunted Winchester. So when did it become known to you? And then why did it become such a passion of yours to that you decided that you, you had to do this? Ooh, um, so I've always really been into the paranormal. And... I want to say I probably learned about and heard some version of the Winchester Mystery House's story in um, maybe around 2000. Um, and so I would have been a, a teenager. And that's only 30 years after I did, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just utterly fascinated and then you know next thing you know going down rabbit holes and it's always in those kind of like top 10 most haunted places uh magazines and i would grab up every magazine that had even a mention of it or any article if it was big or small and i would read them all to death and they would always kind of give me the same bite-sized version and i'm like there's so much more of this story you know and luckily the internet came along and helped out quite a bit as far as like you know being able to continue that rabbit hole and uh, and keep researching. And so by the time they made the movie, uh, Winchester, starring Helen Mirren, um, I was first in line to see it. You know, I was just thrilled. I was like, oh, this is so overdue. And, um, and then uh, my love and excitement for this, you know, has just been a thing. And it's been on a bucket list, you know, of mine to go visit the house. And I still hadn't been. And I was talking to, because we have a board game division, I was talking to one of our game designers who actually lives in uh, in California, he lives pretty close to the house. And somehow it came up and where I was like, man, I would love to do something, anything that relates to that house and that story. And at the time we had put out a game, a board game called Floor Plan. And it was a house designing game. It was all about trying to please clients who have different you know, needs and and you're competing with these other like construction crews essentially to design their like, you know, dream home. And he said, wouldn't it be cool if we did a new version of the game that's entirely specifically for the Winchester mystery house. And I was like, man, that would be so cool. You know, you, could, you know, Sarah would be your client and <laughs> these bizarre, you know, rec- like things that she needs that are not like normal house stuff. And he's like, yeah, and we could really focus on like certain rooms like, oh, you got to do this, this, you know, famous room from the house. You got to build this room. And so we were like, you know what? Let's pitch this. Let's put together a pitch package and we're going to we're gonna contact them. So hit them up and um, they were very kind and, you know, listened. And I'm sure they get pitched for wild ideas all the time. But uh, right away, they were like, wow, you know a lot about the house and a lot about Sarah. And, you know, we're really impressed with that. I'm like, oh, thanks. And they said, you know, can we ask your opinion on some things? I was like, yeah, sure. And what did you think of the movie? And I was like, oh, you know, I thought the movie was great. But honestly, I thought it just kind of scratched the surface as far as the story goes. I'm like, it happens when most of the house is already done being built. All the famous rooms are already there. She's, it's very late in her life. Like, I felt like you missed about 30 years of cool, crazy things that happened along the way. I said, I think her story is best told episodically, you know, um, throughout time. And they said, well, you do have a comic book publishing company, right? It's like, yeah. (laughs) They're like, well, maybe that would be a best way to tell her story episodically. I was like, well, I agree. Yeah, comic book series would be awesome. And so we ended up doing both. We made the game and the comic book series and 
it, we didn't actually go there with the intention necessarily of even doing a comic, but we walked out of it with it. And I ended up writing it myself. And then since then, I've, you know, been to the house a couple of times. It's magnificent. And I absolutely love it. Um, and I, of course, um, I've been very lucky with that. You know, the comic was hugely successful right out the gate. And Hot Topic uh, started carrying T-shirts with all the comic covers on them. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and uh, I got to do a few really neat things, you know, with the house and kind of partnership with them. And um, I'm just so lucky. But um, I'll be honest, the, I'm supposed to be writing volume two right now. And, and I am. I know there's a lot of readers <laughs> hitting me up regularly. Where's the rest of the story? Because, you know, we're doing like three chunks. We're doing a mini series that covers the first 10 years and then taking a break. And then we come back and we do a story all about the big earthquake. And then we come back and we finish up like the rest of her life, essentially, in three volumes. So volume two, I've been really stuck on. I've been really in my head about it. There's tons to write about. I have no, you know, it's not a lack of inspiration or or history or anything. It's just because volume one did so well. It's the probably oh, the thing of <clears throat> on now and i just set a weird precedent in You're my feeling the pressure yeah exactly. the pressure. it's um it's freaking me out a little bit but uh i you know i know i'm like oh what if it doesn't do as well you know is it supposed to do better or you're like is it okay if it doesn't do as well it's just terrible uh but you know it's funny the only other time that the winchester mystery house has officially been in comics was dennis the menace uh number 148 i think and it was in 1975 there, Dennis the Menace goes to the Winchester Mystery House. So it was a, <laughs> the comic. And, you know, of course, I had to buy that thing off eBay the second I found that out. And, uh, and you know, just be like, oh, cool. Here's like the first comic, you know, official comic <laughs> right after. Um, there are other comics, though, out there like Swamp Thing actually did uh, an unofficial take. They, they changed all the names of and everything, but it's very clearly the Winchester Mystery House. They did a whole story arc about it, weirdly. You would, it's a weird character to do that story, but I own all those two. And then uh, there's a, a couple other random comics that came out that were unofficial kind of thing. But but yeah, mine's all legit. Uh, I get to work with their um, historian if I need to, too. I can contact them at any time. And that's really fun because we'll often butt heads over stupid little things. And I'll be like, listen, I'm pretty sure you guys have this date wrong. I don't think that's when that happened. And of course, this has been like, They've been doing this for a hundred years. <laughs> How dare you, sir? You know, <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I know, but listen, like, I found this letter that her sister wrote, and blah blah. You know, come up with all this crazy research that I did, and I was like, and I'm pretty sure you got this date wrong. And you know, we, it's cool. I love those debates. They're my favorite because no matter what, we somebody comes out of them having learned something, you know, new. And so I never mind being like, you know, corrected or anything because it just means I get to learn what really happened. Um, it's pretty cool. I was going to say, was a historian a woman? Uh, in this situation, yes. In this case, yes. So then you're wrong every time. So <laughs> you've learned it. You've learned it. Something you take back for the rest of, <laughs> the rest of your life. And I keep thinking about this Dennis the Menace. What was that pitch? Like, um, Dennis the Menace goes to the Winchester Mansion and knocks down the stair the never ending staircase <laughs> or or something like that. I mean, how how does that I mean, wow, that's kind of a to even marry those two to, two together is kind of crazy. It's bizarre, right? Like what 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 an odd comic, you know, for it to be in to show up in. Uh but yeah, it's you know, it's him kind of like leaving the tour and checking out stuff in different rooms and stuff. Uh <laughs> So what? So when did stuff start happening at the mansion? Like when did? When did? So I'm assuming. So did Sarah Winchester talk about to other people having experiences herself, like in letters or something? Is there? Is that documented? Uh, do you know when like stuff started happening? She was so intensely private uh, that. She never took interviews. She never allowed uh, people to, they, she was barely allowed to be seen. It was really difficult to even, um, there's only two photos that exist of her in history because, and one of them was snuck. It was stolen photo of her because she was so against getting her picture taken um, that uh, a lot of, a lot of the information that we know, it comes from, 
she ran a pretty tight-lipped crew. So a lot of the workers that you know worked for her were kind of sworn to secrecy on a lot of things they were working on and a lot of the projects. And um, I'll give a great example of that here in a little bit, actually. Um, but so a lot of the, the information we get is kind of secondhand. Um, friends of workers who worked there, uh, neighbors, um, people who, you know, lived you know, within a mile of her estate, Lenata Villa, and they would tell, you know, stories of like, oh, I ran into so-and-so on his way to work this morning kind of thing, walking in, and I was able to get this piece of information out of him. And they would run with that to the press. I mean, she was such a subject of gossip um, that, uh, so a lot of what we know or think we know about the house and, and, and the haunting comes secondhand from like people who worked on the, for, for her on the estate. And, uh, and even then, like she, it's thought that she destroyed almost all of her paperwork that she burned all of her letters because when she died, there was almost nothing. Uh, they, they found, I want to say about 10 years ago, they found a letter, uh, that had slipped between floorboards and that was all uh, ended up just being, I think like, a it was like a, uh, an invoice, um, from one of the construction crews and they learned so much from that one single piece of paper. It like tons of theories and stuff like stuff were, were gone. And like, it was, it was so much information gleaned from that, um, because it, they're that desperate for any sort of concrete info. Um, she was just super mysterious in that way. And it was just an invoice. In the yeah. Show. But they were like, that, you know, this tells us so much about who actually worked on something. Cause there's all these amazing, beautiful, um, you know, stuff in the house. And a lot of it, they don't really know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Who made it um but over time they've been able to piece together a pretty pretty good solid like cast of characters i like to call them since that's what i use them as but you know so they they do have they know the identity of, of a lot of the people who who worked on the estate for you know decades who ended up kind of living on the grounds um but for the most part though uh, it's very very little is known about all of it um but the haunting is su su said to have started while she was still alive in the house, while they were still working on it. And that's how it is in the comic book, too. Once uh, in the comic book, the, they call the sands room the heart of the house. That's a, a thing that they've called it since Sarah was alive. And um, so the first issue is called the heart of the house. And it's all about building the sands room. And then once it's finished, that room, the heart starts beating, essentially. And the house 
uh, in the comic series is its own entity. It's alive. It's a character. Uh, and it's an entity that needs to be constantly fed. And that's why this construction, you know, has to go around the clock 24 hours a day. Um, and its job, its duty is to basically kind of create this little pocket dimension to keep all of these spirits from being able to harm anybody or being, you know, in our world, in our face. And anything that they did wrong with the construction would create basically, you know, like a crack in that facade that would allow things, these supernatural occurrences to come in. And this has worked, you know, as a storytelling element, it's worked fantastic for me, but it also seems to really be based in a lot of, you know, actual thought about some of what this house was like. I mean, there's so many stories about people who swear that the door was over here when they went down the hallway. And when they came back through, it was down at the opposite end, just like as if the house was playing tricks on them. It's really cool. Wow. So, geez, that would, that'd be, that'd be it for me right there. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of Johnny Depp, it sounds like a Johnny Depp movie. Um, or the dogs. <laughs> um, so so when did though so if she was so private about it and everybody else was so tight-lipped so was it not till after it became open to the public that it, the stories of it being haunted and stuff happening to people really took off so there was um there was there was a lot of gossip that had made it all the way to the papers while she was still alive and and that seemed to be kind of hearsay but i mean her story somehow made it all the way to newspapers like during her lifetime without her having given any you know of that out herself so um the the talk of her having seen the psychic that that hit papers while she was still alive um the talk of the house being haunted um was in papers while she was alive and then afterwards when she died and everybody got in the house that's when they started piecing things together that's when like information started coming out about who the foreman was and who had been working on, you know, with her for all these years and what her life was like and what room she slept in. And, and that's when all they started finding all these bizarre, you know, rooms and doorways. And, um, that's when, you know, people just, they couldn't wrap their mind around it. And a lot of those rooms are still a mystery to this, to this day. The Sands room itself is a really unique room. For example, if you, if you, uh, walk in, to the main door, there's another door immediately to your left. If you open it, um, it drops down two stories into a sink in a kitchen. Uh, so if you would step through, you would just like fall into that sink. Um, and then there's one other way out of the room and it's a secret passage through uh, what looks like it's supposed to be just like a cap, like a big um, closet almost. And uh, Sarah was always seen going in the one door and never seen coming out because she always exited through the secret door. And it, it was just like a normal routine thing. And in a lot of, uh, you know, after her death, a lot of people said that that was part of her routine to stay safe while she was communing with the spirits. She needed to trick the spirits. Uh, and that's why the, the, you know, this door has the drop off. That's why she had a secret way out after she would end the communications, all this stuff. Um, but it, a lot of it just doesn't quite add up or, or at least we don't really fully understand it. I guess, you know, that's why mystery is in the title. Now, does, is, have you, so you've obviously spent some time in the sand. Yeah, it's very cool. I was so excited to step foot in there. I, I did a, so I did a, a press event where I went to the house and, invited um, newspapers, uh, a bunch of board game reviewers, comic book reviewers, paranormal researchers, paranormal podcasts, um, all sorts of cool people. And we invited them all. We sent in these really awesome aged letters about this mystery event. And uh, we held this in the, um, in the carriage house. It's like a big garage where they kept the carriages on the property. And so all these people showed up, they were really excited. They didn't know quite what was, what this was all about. And we debuted, um, a prototype of the board game. They all got to play it and then give us our feedback. Um, I did a bunch of interviews with anybody who would listen essentially. And then I gave like a speech. We gave everybody an ash can preview of the first issue of the comic book. And I signed them all. They all got a, like a gift bag. We fed them dinner. And then at the end of the night, um, I said, okay, now, to 
end the night, we're all going to go on a special private tour through the house. And I said, but we have shut off all the power and each of you are getting a flashlight. And <laughs> I would say probably about 40% of them just dropped right out. They're like, nope, I'm out. Nope, not doing it. Uh, <laughs> I'm do it and, uh, and the rest of them did. And man, they had so much fun, uh, which was the idea. And so they all went and wrote these amazing, great articles um, about what a cool night they had, which was the whole reason we did it was, you know, to try to get some of the press rolling about this comic and board game on the way. And, uh, and I, oh, that was just such a great, wonderful experience. I had such a good time with everybody. Uh, I'll never forget it. So, cool. but yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I, I go through the house with completely different lens than other people. Um, so, you know, I'm not thinking about supernatural elements and, um, I'm thinking about like details that I hadn't noticed before, you know, I'm like, Oh, so in the script, this conversation needs to take place in this room. But now I realize that when she walks out and she goes down the hallway and then like takes a right and she's all of a sudden in the kitchen, that that's not true. It takes you about like 20 minutes to get to the kitchen from here. Like, Oh, I messed that up. Or, Oh, that's what that molding looks like. And I mentioned this because it means that every room I'm in, I'm super detail oriented. I'm just looking at it from that creative standpoint. And therefore I would love to spend as much time as I could in every room, but there's certain rooms in the house that I immediately felt like it was almost like the house was just pushing me out of them. Like I, I felt super claustrophobic. I didn't want to be in that room any longer. I wanted to get out of it. And it's not that they were particularly small or even necessarily a creepy looking room or anything. It was just a, it was a really strange, oppressive vibe that, uh, I noted, you know, to myself right away. I'm like, that's weird because I mean, the creepier the room, the longer I want to be in it, not the other way around. Like, why am I having this weird, like fight or flight thing happening, you know, right now where I, when I was just in the middle of being geeking out, you know, essentially. And, um, I had behind me on the tour, I had some, um, um, some paranormal, uh, groups that they were kind of, it would come up behind me and it was really interesting to, it felt very validating because I would have, you know, one of them was kind of, she was speaking out loud, you know, recording herself about what she was feeling in every room and her, her words were echoing my thoughts almost every single time. And I was like, that's, fascinating. It was really, really interesting to see that I wasn't alone and, you know, feeling bizarre things in certain rooms and not others. Now, now have you had any other experiences there other than just feeling a little bit, a little bit odd or a little bit oppressed? I had, it's, it's not, it's not super juicy or anything, but it was very weird. Um, so I was, taking pictures in the house and, um, I was taking reference photos actually for my artist and, uh, I was in a room and I had taken a picture and then later I took another picture and I could tell that they're, you know, one after the other in the same room. I remember taking them, but later when I went through my camera roll, there was a photo in between them that I hadn't taken. And I was like, what is this picture? I don't, I didn't take this photo. I have zero recollection of it, but I can tell where it was based on the background and, you know, the photo before and after it. So I know it must've been a slip of the thumb, you know, as I was walking through this particular room. Um, but it's, it's a picture of a rocking chair and the rocking chair had is it's striking right away because it looks one, it looks super old, but two, it looks really ratty. Like, um, there's like kind of torn fabric hanging off of it. And that's, unusual for the house all of the furniture in it is absolutely just pristine gorgeous everything looks like it's brand spanking new and um and then when you look at the chair there's parts of the chair that just sort of disappear as you follow with your eyes you can see right through like sections of it um and it, i figured okay it's probably like a motion blur effect or something because you know was out of focus or who knows i don't know what it was but i showed it to one of the guides and i was like hey can you confirm? I just want to know where this, what room this is in. And they're like, Nope, that's not here. And I'm like, no, it's definitely here. Uh, I'm <laughs> stairs. Like, no, that's not here. And I was like, no, it's definitely Okay. I'm like, well, let me show you. I'm like, here's a picture before. Here's a picture after I was like, it's clearly 
upstairs in like this somewhere over there in in this room. I think I know which room it is. They're like, no, there's no rocking chair like that in that room. They're like, absolutely. So we went back and we checked and there wasn't. And um, I was going nuts because I was like, I'm not crazy. There's a chair right here. Like it's clearly up here somewhere. And they were all like, no, that's not here. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe that picture was taken at like a different similar looking house. I'm like, no, it was taken today. <laughs> the past hour. I was just losing it. And um, I, that stuck with me so hard that I, I had written, in addition to this series, I wrote a one shot comic story. That's um, it's like a standalone story that takes place in present uh, during a tour of the house. And it's about a, it's about a girl who's going through and, and the house is like opening up its memories to her. So when she touches certain things, she gets flashbacks basically that tie into like the regular series of the timeline while Sarah was alive. And uh, there's a room that she's in on the tour. I wrote this in there be specifically because of this, where she sees a, a rocking chair and she's like, look at this chair. It's so strange looking and out of place. And her boyfriend's like, what chair? There's no chair in this room. What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, it is. It's right there. And that's when she starts getting this kind of like flashback image of Sarah in the chair, you know, and she's seeing this kind of ghostly, you know, image. And so I wrote that, I wrote that, that exact rocking chair in, <laughs> into the story. <laughs> wow. So, and how can you say, how can you preface that and say this isn't very juicy? I mean, you took basically a picture of a time slip. Is I mean, I mean, you took a picture of something, right? It's, or, it's or, or it got, I suppose. Or, yeah, it's pretty I cool. mean, I mean, that's wow, that's crazy. So, so what? What are some of the things that happen to people at the house that make them think it's haunted? Uh, so this is one of my my favorite things about having you know. Last time I visited, I. Uh, uh, right out the gate you know i had a bunch of tour tour guides who work there you know they they'll they don't uh not necessarily guides they'll have like people just kind of planted throughout the house and their job is to just keep an eye on you to make sure you stay on the chosen path because while people well the, the it's a very long tour and it's very incredible you're not seeing the whole house i don't think everybody realizes that you know you skipped a lot there's like tons of portions that aren't on the tour and then they you know, sometimes they'll be working on them or doing things and they'll rope them back in. And sometimes they, they'll never rope them in because they, they have their offices in part of the house and stuff too. And you just never see it because the house is that big. They can hide a whole business. How big, how big, how big is the house? How many square feet? Oh, that's a great question. And I should know the answer. Uh, 24,000. Holy. Yes. Not quite, not quite LeBron James house, but Le it's a pretty good size. <laughs> it's a pretty good size. Holy smokes. The last time I was there, I had like one of the, not the tour guides, but like one of the more stationary people, you know, come up to me right away. And they're like, are you, are you Josh Warner? Are you the guy who's writing the story, the comic book story? I was like, yeah, hi, it's nice to meet you. And they're like, can, do you have a second? Can I talk to you? I'm like, okay, sure. And this happened to me multiple times while I was there from multiple places. And they were like, you just burst they were just bursting at the seams to tell me every strange thing that's ever happened to them while they were at work and it's fascinating um there's a piano uh there's a piano in the house that has scared the crap out of so many people <laughs> it waits until there's just nobody around except they you don't know, one or one or two employees and it'll start making sounds and noises and playing music and they it just freaks them out they can't get used to it um uh, one employee said she almost quit after three months. Uh, uh, she always, while she was talking and facing, you know, the group, you know, uh, she would have something touch her back and she would turn around constantly in the middle of her like talk and there would be no one there. And it, she said it became like this thing that kept happening over and over. Uh, she kept thinking like one of the customers, one of the tourists was like tapping her on the back and there was no one there. Uh, and it always happens in one particular room. Uh, a lot of stories like that. I, there's definitely been some apparitions that have been viewed, uh, less of them, but they do happen. People have seen people, um, shadows, uh, you know, they kept, it's a big house. So when you close up for the night, it's really imperative that you check the whole house thoroughly. Oh no, no, it, like, no. <laughs> hiding, right. You know, overnight kind of thing. Cause people will try that. They will try to like 
sneak off the tour and like stay overnight kind of thing, thinking that the house is big enough where they can get away with it. I'll go hide under a bed and they'll never know. Um, so, you know, these, these employees have to, they have to do these sweeps of the house and it's probably the scariest part of their job <laughs> because it's the end of the night, everybody's gone, they're alone and they keep seeing like, oh, like a shadow turning a corner ahead of them. And they're like, hey, who's over there? You know, running up ahead and there's nobody there. Um, there's, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, um, a lot of tourists who get really cool photos and then they send them to the house and the house will actually vet them really thoroughly. And they're like, no, that's not an orb. That's a, you know, speck of dust in the lens or whatever. They'll vet them. And then when they have ones that they don't have anyone who can disprove, uh, that it's something supernatural or anyone who can uh, like give any evidence as to what the photo, what it's showing, what it is, and it usually looks like a, a shape of a person. They will often ask for the permission to utilize the photos. And if you go during, um, like a cool time of year, like if you go during October, they, they switch the tour up and they will put on, uh, they will put a bunch, they'll make it like a ghost version of the tour. And they will actually tell you every supernatural recorded occurrence that has taken place in each room. And they'll actually put, blow up the photos and they'll put them on like standing and stuff. Is your picture of the rocking chair included in that? It's not. I have who to- do I, who do I email? Who do I call? And demand justice. Gosh. <laughs> I weirdly, I've never shown, I've only shown it, I've shown it to some people, but I haven't shown it to the house per se, like in an official capacity, other than me trying to figure out where this <laughs> was, uh, because it was kind of written off, like, you know, like uh, they get, I mean, they get a lot of supernatural stories. So I didn't want to push it too hard, but, but I mean, it stuck with me for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and for, and for what it's worth, that would be a great story as another side story is some people hiding in the house absolutely after closing and then basically being tormented the whole night the hellish night they would have if they yeah. pulled that off oh yeah and, and then it, it is the person's coming in the morning to open up these guys burst you know like let us out let us out oh that <laughs> it's that would be fantastic. That'd be a good. That'd be a good side yeah, story. That's ammo for sure. I, well, well, is there so? Is there anything? Is there anything else that you want people to know about about the house that um, you feel is like really important that they you know? Well, one, you should if you ever get the chance, it is bucket list worthy. It's it's unlike anything else. It's so it's so worth visiting. It's so so cool. Um, but two, if you. If you want to plan a trip out there, try and like a weekend trip and you're pretty flexible on when try to find a Friday the 13th on the calendar and make the day that you go. So here's, here's why they do a, uh, so Sarah believed that the number 13 held a ton of power and it's found throughout the house's design and construction endlessly. Um, and she thought that it held like a supernatural strength. So through my own personal research, what I found is that there's also a lot of ties to Francis Bacon, the philosopher throughout the house. And he also had an obsession with the number 13. And he was also um, the subject of a ton of obsession by the Freemasons. And through more research, I found I'm getting way off track. Anyway, the number 13 has all sorts of interesting (laughs) ties. And my theories as to why she was obsessed with the number 13 are, are a lot different than other people's. I think I, I tie them all the way back to Freemasonry. But anyway, that it's a special day. So every time there's a Friday the 13th, the house holds a special ceremony. And there's the bell tower. The bell tower is a really famous part in the house. It's where they would go ring this bell at midnight every night to let all the workers know that Sarah is not to be bothered with any questions because she's going to the sands room. And she went there at midnight every single night. And, um, when she died, they decided that this was kind of like a sacred space. We're not going to, we're not going to go to the bell tower on the tour. We're, we're going to leave it alone. We're not going to ring it except whenever the calendar falls on Friday the 13th, they ring the bell 13 times on the 13th hour uh, in her honor. And they do this kind of bell ringing ceremony. It's like a really big deal. And it's a cool thing to see if you can go and be there and like be on the grounds when they do this. Um, so they called me last year and they said, Hey, would you like to be 
the special, a special guest bell ringer for the bell ringing ceremony on Friday the 13th. And I said, hell yes. You know, and so <laughs> we're honored, right? So next thing you know, I'm stuck in traffic in Silicon Valley trying to get to the house. And they're freaking out because I'm running late. They're calling me. And they're like, listen, in 100 years of this tradition, we've never done it at 101. It has to be done at one o'clock. That's the 15th hour. I'm like, I know, I'm, I know, I'm so sorry. You know, um, and I was like, if you have to do it without me, they're like, oh, we will. I'm like, okay. So no, I, don't worry, we're not waiting. <laughs> so I ended up like jumping out of a moving car and just like running because that was faster than you know traffic. And they had somebody planted outside to like grab me by the arm and like run me through the house on the shortest path to the bell tower as possible. So you know, it's like shortcut to it. And I'm going through rooms I've never seen before because I'm not on the tour. And I'm like, oh, wow, where are we right now? And they're like, no, there's no time. We got to get to the bell tower. So <laughs> get to the bell tower. I've got 30 seconds before I have to ring. And they're prepping me. And uh, so there's a historian there who's going to show me, you know, what to do. And, uh, and she says, listen, this is the most important part. You can't ring the bell 14 times. It has to be 13. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, can, I can count. No problem. And she's like, no, you don't understand. It's a really big bell. It's going to build up momentum and it's going to want to ring all by itself. It's just going to swing back and just ring a 14 time, even though you didn't pull the rope. And I'm like, that's absolutely terrifying. You're telling me this now? We have like 15 seconds to go. I'm like, what do I do? So it's a pulley system. You know, one rope goes up, the other goes down. And so uh, what you do is you just reach across and you grab both of them and you hold them perfectly still. And the bell kind of just, you know, fizzles out. And uh, if you do it right at the right time. And I said, okay, I think I got it. I said, but listen, if, uh, if I screw this up, can we just not tell people that it was me in the tower this year? <laughs> and they said, actually, we have a camera person right here and we're live streaming right now. <laughs> was unreal, man. Oh, man. But I nailed it. It was awesome. I am 90% sure to this day. I've been too afraid to watch the video footage, but 90% sure is exactly 13 times. <laughs> wow, that's not, very, I gotta be honest, that's not a very high percentage. For, me, <laughs> for sure. There's so much doubt in my brain. And well, the house crazy. did not fall in, in upon itself, right? right? It sucked right. you into the vortex. So later I had, you know, I was, um, I was at New York Comic Con, and uh, which is like second biggest convention in the world. And we were, doing a panel where I was going to be speaking about the house and uh, we had like a special variant cover collector's edition comic and a bunch of the people from the house flew out and they sat in they uh somebody from hot topic delivered me the very first t-shirt during the panel and I put it on it was really cool it was awesome everybody was there it was really really nice to see how excited they were to be featured at comic-con and I was like that's awesome um so uh, you know we went to dinner and I was talking to Walter he's uh, he's like the manager of the whole estate he kind of runs everything and He's like, you know, I've never been allowed to touch the bell. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you run this place. And he's like, yeah. He's like, actually, none of my employees have ever touched the bell either. He's like, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a thing. And I was like, wow, what do you mean? And it turns out, well, like over the past century, this tradition, it's usually a historian that does it. And it's just kind of a torch that passed down. And there's actually very few people who have ever touched it. And uh, so – that made me even more honored to find that out after the fact, but it also made me even more anxious because I almost screwed it up and I was almost late and all this stuff. <laughs> I got to be honest, um, don't turn your back on Walter because he might have a, you know all these years of anger of not being able to touch the bell. He might take it out. <laughs> Because he knows you did it 14 times. And he's like, and there's still, you know, nobody said it. You know, I can see just anger. The anger builds up and I'll get him. I'll get him. So, <laughs> what? Well, before we wrap up here, why don't you tell everybody where they can can find the, um, find the book yes. and find the game, right? And find, I mean, yeah. it sounds like a pretty cool game. I'm so excited. So the book, the book killed it. So the, the single issues come out like in stores every month. Right. And those just blew out the door. They're getting hard to find. If you can find a single issue in your local comic shop, just buy it. I don't care if you sell it on eBay, just buy it. Cause they're getting hard to find. Um, the, the collected edition, that's like all of volume one in one big book, uh, that sold out through Simon Schuster. It's sold out through diamond comic distributors. It's now sold out here at source point press at the publisher level. Um, so there's, 
It's just like some stores that have a stock left. And I, 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 I've been on a book tour and the last five dates, I had no books to sign. I ended up just giving speeches because there was no books. I was like, oh, this sucks because I, I sold out. But so what we did, we decided to do is if you go to winchestermysterycomic.com from now until September 27th, we're taking pre-orders for a super awesome collector uh, like edition version. So it's all the comics so far in one book. It's gold foil stamped. It's got cover art that I did myself. And it's got a ton of bonus features about the history of the house. And you get, you get all this and you can get it signed by me, all that stuff for like 25 bucks. Not bad. And then you also, there's an add on option where if you want, you can add the board game on and you can get the board game before it hits stores, like months before it hits stores, you'll be the first person to get a copy. Um, so that's at winchestermysterycomic.com. We're only allowing orders for a few weeks and then we cut it off. And then everybody else, if you miss out on that, you you have to wait until like the second printing of the regular version of the volume. And the cool special edition version, that won't be in stores at all. That's just for this campaign that we're holding. Uh, and so far, so good. I mean, a lot of people have been really stoked. Let's see, right now, uh, we've had 370 people show up and back it. So not bad. We still have 15 days. Um, so yeah, if anybody is curious and they want to read the story, um, it's a, it's an even mix of like supernatural horror and history. Uh, there's a lot of ton of real history in it. It's, uh, it's been my dream come true to write and volume two is on the way. So now's the best time to jump in, read volume one, get caught up and be ready for when volume two starts hitting stores. Boy, now that is a great sales pitch right there. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So we'll try to get all that information up and. And uh, at least let everybody, um, you know, get to get to the link and, and try to be able to order order the book. So that'd yeah. be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. So, well, Josh, I'm glad you reached out reached out to to us. Uh, this was pretty awesome. I mean, I got to admit, I I love the historical. Anytime you can combine ghost stories and real history, uh, it's it's a win in my book. So for true. sure, for sure. So I appreciate you um, spending some time and, and telling everybody uh, about uh, about the house. And um, and I still think that I need to make a phone call and get that rocking chair included in the ghost <laughs> the ghost store this year because that's cool. That's a really cool. cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. So so yeah, I appreciate it, Josh. And we will. Um, we will uh, we'll be looking forward to the next edition. I mean, I'm going to go order the first thing now. I mean, I'm going to go order and get it get it all read up. You know, awesome. So, Thanks, man. So, so, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. And like I said, we're looking forward to the second second edition to come up, second batch. Can't so, wait. And I hope that something really scary happens to you. Oh, yeah. It gets nuts. Volume 2 gets crazy. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> God only knows what's hiding in our shadows Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.